The investor landscape, once associated with cheap money and quantitative easing, is now transitioning to a climate of inflation and higher interest rates. Well, to talk about moral hazards and strategies, I'm delighted to be joined by Charles White Thompson. He is Chief Executive of Saxo Markets UK. So, moral hazard. Before we get onto that, Charles, how would you describe the current inflationary environment well first of all sir it's very good to um it's very good to join you thank you for having me on uh, on your program i think that the i mean the inflationary environment that we are living in now is extremely challenging i mean if you look at the uh, you know as we're speaking i think the real wage growth has just come out and it's negative and that's you know that is the difference between inflation and the increase in wages and it's it's down so it's a particularly challenging time for um, for the country and and for and and for many people. So, in terms of the challenges that you've alluded to, is there anything that can be done to remedy or mitigate this, or do we have to lump it, live through it? No, no, I'm a believer. In, I'm a believer in being proactive. I think that there are many things that we as retail investors can do, and I think that. Um, this goes back to a core subject for me, which is being able to manage your risk. In that we are living in in a, in a very different period for compared to the last ten years, um, where there was free money, low interest rates. You know, we're now in a period which is much more volatile. And I think in order to have sustainable and good returns, we're going to need to be able to manage inflation and whatever the market throws at us. And my view on that is it's all about risk management and an understanding that your portfolio has many gears. It is not just long only. It is not just driving in the fourth gear. There are many things that we can do in order to tackle what is a pretty challenging environment. So I think that there's many positives we can take out of this. So in terms of volatility, you and I are a bit long in the tooth. We've lived through economic cycles before. But I'm wondering, is the current economic cycle an aberration? And the lessons that you've learned from the past might not be applicable to where we are now. Yeah. So so I think you've asked a very interesting question. So, you know, it's about inflation and its impact. So when I want to know about inflation, I speak to my um, father-in-law and I speak to my father because... Uh, you needed to be an adult in the 70s, and I'm a, I am long in the tooth, but I wasn't an adult in the 70s. So you need to speak to people like them to understand what that means. And when I speak with my father-in-law, he talks about he remembers the cost of a shirt going incrementally up each year, each year, each year, and that's what happens um, in inflation. So I think there's many things to, to um, that you know that we can learn. And I think the other thing is, is that we should draw on the expertise of people who've lived in emerging markets, because emerging markets, that's a high inflation era and or, or area. And I think that there's much to learn from that. So as I think about how I, you know, how I will deal with in, how I will deal with inflation from an investment standpoint, um, my sort of basics are go back to manage your risk, understand that your portfolio has many gears, that um, you can make money on the downside. You need to think about diversification, and that means you don't want all of your investments in one asset class, for example, something like cryptocurrency. So you need a broad, sensible approach. And what I'm investing in is commodities. 
Uh, I think that's a really good way to play inflation. And within that, uh, I like gold, even though it hasn't performed very well, but I think it's a, it's a source of value. And I think there are some really good funds that you can invest in, um, particularly those gold miners that are not hedged. And I'm also investing in water because, you know, we seem to be in a drought every other month. And I think that water is, um, is, an, interesting, um, is, is an interesting commodity to play. And if I add to that, um, without making this answer too long, I'd also then think about, um, and I gave this um, these thoughts in April when I was advising our clients, or not advising, but talking to them about um, their ISAs. Um, I'm a buyer of macro long short hedge funds, particularly um, hedge fund managers who've been around a long time, have seen a lot. I think people like Chris Benodi have had an absolutely stellar year, um, and they bring something different. Um, and I'm also a buyer of agriculture, and um, we'll leave it at that. So let's go back to water because it's a very moot point at the moment. There's just not very much of it. And as I'm sat here in Hertford talking to you, I'm expecting the first thunderstorm of the summer. But it's not going to do any good because the ground is like concrete. It won't absorb the water. It won't go into the water table. So how do we play water? Do we buy into water companies or can we be a little bit more creative? I mean, I'm sure you can. I mean, the way I'm doing it is I'm buying it into where I can find a company which, uh, which actually ha owns the water. I, I really like that. But I think as a general theme, um, I'm looking to invest. So, so I invest in ETFs or mutual funds that um, show, and show access and buy to global water companies around the world. The risk of this strategy is that um, Governments and um, authorities get disappointed about the amount of leakage you just you you, you know you adhere to you you um, pointed that out just now, and that they get overly taxed. But generally, I think risk reward. You know, I um, I'm supportive of water investments. Charles, talk to me about moral hazard. It's a phrase I'm not familiar with. Yeah, moral hazard. I mean, this is a massive subject for me. Actually, you know, there are a few things in this industry now that's religion, and for me, and this is one of them. Um, we started talking about moral hazard a lot a year and a half ago, and effectively, to use the analogy that if you are a tightrope walker and you're walking along the tightrope and you know that you have a safety net below, then you'll probably be more aggressive or you'll be more relaxed if you fall because the bet you're taking is you'll fall, the safety net will catch you, and you assume that the safety net's been put in well, and you and you live to fight or to invest another day. I think that a generation of investors, as a result, have a skewed attitude towards risk. In that, um, they moral hazard impacts them because if you look at what happened over the last ten years, whenever there was bad news, the uh, the institutions or the cavalry would um, fly in. They cut rates, or they would, um, you know, that they would, you know, do, you know, you know, quantitative easing, and um, effectively, what happened then is that bad news became good news, and I think as a result, you have a whole generation of investors with a skewed attitude um, towards risk. And my approach to this is that central banks and inst institutions are not responsible for your portfolios. You are. And it is down to you to manage your risk. And, you know, we are in a new world. 
in my opinion, you know, the Goldilocks era of, you know, cheap money, interest rates, quantitative, low interest rates, quantitative easing, it's, I think that's over. And um, to be successful, I think that retail investors really need to understand how they manage their, how they manage their risk. And the first thing is, is that they own their portfolios and not the central banks. Absolutely. So the Bank of England in the past with its helicopter money and its quantitative easing at the time, the committee probably thought it was doing the right thing. But as you say, they've been providing a safety net for not just investors, but for UK PLC at large. So do you think that with the benefit of hindsight that the Bank of England could have done something else? Or are you saying that that's our responsibility to pay attention to the central bank? It's our responsibility to risk manage our portfolio. I think in the end, it is down to you as the investor to manage your risk. I don't think that we or you should rely on other people to manage their risk. Um, to use the car analogy, because we've used the, a car analogy already with your portfolio has many gears. My advice to investors is to drive with a safety belt. And, you know, manage your own risk. Uh, I don't think it's the job of uh, the governor of the Bank of England to, to have an environment which is, you know, loose monetary policy, you know, lots of money sloshing around in the system so that they bail us out, you know, whenever there's bad news. It, it, that, that's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility. And if I could get one message over, I would really ask retail investors to understand that your portfolio has many gears. You are very powerful. You have the ability to manage your risk. And I'd be very demanding of, of, the, of, the, of the wealth managers that I deal with to ensure that I have all of those tools. And in general, I think that wealth managers have failed their clients. And what I mean by that is that during this Goldilocks period, they haven't prepared their, their clients for what is a much more volatile and difficult environment uh, with all of the tools to manage downside in their portfolio. Crikey. So gone is the Goldilocks environment and on the horizon, possibly worse to come. So good advice. We should demand more from our wealth managers. So how is Saxo preparing for the new economic paradigm that we've entered already? I mean, it's just a very good question. So, you know, at Saxo, we've been talking about risk management really for, you know, for a long time. So this has been a key subject for me since, uh, since I started as CEO. So we want to be able to provide a, um, a broad range of asset classes so that you as an investor can do what you want to do. And I think as part of that, and I, and I don't like I don't like the word education, but I'll use it anyway. We would like to provide education in how you can manage your risk, so that you know if I'm right and we are in a much more volatile market with what I call left field shocks. You know who saw the Ukraine war coming, so, so that so that you are better equipped to manage this environment, and that goes to the core and the thesis of what Saxe is about. You know to empower the retail trader give them 60,000 instruments to train from and all of the instruments to manage what are much more difficult environments. So Charles, you've spoken to me about moral hazards and now you've got me salivating to learn more. So talk to me about your approach to dollar averaging, that methodology. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, mean I think dollar averaging is really powerful. So 
it, it's it's my view that we're in a in a more volatile period for for markets. You know, we have left field events that we've discussed. You know, whether it's you know supply uh, constraints, whatever, uh, and therefore, my advice to retail investors is: as you put money into the market, do it on an average basis. So don't just choose one date in the month and put it all in at once. If you want to put fifteen pounds into the market, take ten months to do it. And I think the advantage of that is, is that you will have a nice blended price. There'll be some higher times, there'll be some lower times, but in the end, you will have a, a, a more average price. Because the thing that really damages um, confidence is that when you decide you want to do something, you put it all in, and then the market corrects 30%. And that's why I say that you know that when you're investing, you have your portfolio capital, and you also have your mental capital. And it's extremely important to look after your mind and your mental capital because investing is also about confidence. And if your confidence has been destroyed because you've just seen your your um, investment go down by 30%, that's a really difficult place to be. So dollar averaging is a really good thing. So in terms of investment psychology, we're in pretty delicate stages of the investment cycle. Many of us have lost an awful lot of money. So we look to influencers, to influencers. So is there anybody out there we should be paying to or should be ignored? Well, I, I think that's another, I mean, that's another excellent question. So so um, we've, we've discussed moral hazard. We've discussed manager risk. We've discussed dollar averaging. I think on this subject, the way, the way I view this is um, there was a Russian psychologist called um, Ivan Pavlov, and he worked out that when he rang the bell ahead of feeding his dogs, he could make his dogs salivate without showing them the food. So he rings the bell, and the dogs would then associate the bell with the food as opposed to seeing the food or smelling the food. I think we in the financial markets, and probably more broadly, are also being influenced by influencers um, to bring those two words together. For example, Kim Kardashian and crypto, or Matt Damon, uh, Matt Damon and crypto. So therefore, my conclusion and advice on that is is that it's okay to be one of Pavlov's dogs. It's okay to be influenced because in many cases they have you know sincere good advice. But you need to know who influences you so that you can aim off and and compensate. And I also think you should think about those people who have influenced you most recently where it's been really difficult and they have resulted in perhaps you losing money and maybe you don't want to listen to them so much. So that's the sort of psychology. I hope that um, bringing Ivan Pavlov into this is um, giving it some colour. So here we are, you and I, in August, talking to each other, waiting for the metaphorical thunderstorm. So we're approaching the final quarter of 2022. How would you sum it up? 2022, so far to me, has been pretty miserable. Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a, it's been a roller coaster. So, you know, that if you think about this, and, and, and that's why I think many of, you know, the Bank of England have, have a very difficult task on their hands. The way I use it, or the way I view it simplistically is, is that they have a very difficult needle to thread. And that means, in, in, in my mind, their focus number one is to bring inflation down. And one of the levers that they have is to move interest rates up. But we know that the consumer is leveraged. 
and therefore getting that balance right is um it's a very challenging and tough one and um you know i don't underestimate that in 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 any ways and it, therefore it just keeps taking me back to my central scenario we are in difficult times there will always be opportunities um and i would really encourage retail investors to understand how they can operate and cope with in this market i think that the strategy of always buying a dip or 60 40 or all of these other things that we've been have been baked into our psyche over the last 10 years. I think you really need to um, you need to challenge that and 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 be ready for 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 a new environment. And 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 that's just life. So it sounds as though we need to reset. It's a very difficult needle to thread in Threadneedle Street. So thank you so much indeed for your very wise and sage words. It's been a pleasure. I know you're busy and let's hope that those thunderstorms when they arrive aren't too brutal. Thank you very much indeed. Charles White Thompson, Chief Executive of Saxo Markets UK. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, um, I you know, really appreciate your time. This podcast was brought to you by Master Investor. For more investment and economics analysis, please visit masterinvestor.co.uk.